0: Welcome to Church Meets World, a podcast from America Media about where the Catholic Church meets the most interesting and consequential issues of our time. I'm Maggie Van Dorn, an audio producer at America. And the story we're about to share comes to us from our summer intern, Amelia Jarecki. Amelia was fascinated by the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. And in particular, she wanted to know what motivated three young women to spend their first year out of college serving in JVC, living off a very modest stipend and working with marginalized communities. So she packed her recording gear and traveled to Kansas City, where she was graciously welcomed into the world of Jesuit volunteers.
1: This is Marsha. She is our community car. She's a 2007 Toyota Corolla. She's white in color. Um, and she's a little dingy, but she's very reliable and she takes us all over Kansas City. Marsha represents the sacrifices of community in that we have to share her, um, you know, but she brings us together in a symbolic and literal way.
2: I go the farthest. I have to get to Donnelly in Kansas and um, we have this kind of like carpool on the way. We all
3: we can't leave without each other. We got to know each other really well through our drives. Yeah. Amy likes to ask me like, how I'm going to make the day great. How are you, gonna um, going, to, um, how are you nice. going to make today great? Today, I'm going to be open-minded and more productive. How are you going to make today great?
2: Well, I get to see Sister Sharon, so it will already be great. Emma,
3: how are you going to make today great?
1: Um, I'm gonna
4: get Thelma's for lunch. Woo. Emma Chiboya, Amy Lepp, and Veronica Lugtu have spent the last year serving in the Jesuit Volunteer Corps since August 2020. The 23-year-old women all share their car, their house, and their meals. Each receives a $100 monthly stipend, and in return, volunteers full-time. The Jesuit Volunteer Corps, or JVC, has four pillars, spirituality, simple living, community, and social justice. And while these values attracted Emma, Amy, and Veronica, their personal motivations for joining were unique. My name is Amelia Jarecki. I'm a 21-year-old editorial intern for America Media and a journalism student at the University of Maryland. Last year, I applied to be a Jesuit volunteer. I considered taking a gap year between my junior and senior years of college and serving as a JV during that time. I applied, was accepted, and then spent some time discerning. To get some guidance, I reached out to a former JV. She told me that she wouldn't have been able to return to college after doing JVC. Why? Well, because it shaped her into an adult very quickly. So transitioning back to undergrad with others who hadn't faced similar maturing experiences would have been difficult. And then there was the popular expression, ruined for life, that I'd heard from former JVs. Not ready to be an adult, or ruined, I decided to finish college in four years. But I've been curious ever since. Why do other young people commit to a year of service in the Jesuit values? What are they sacrificing? How does the year impact them? If it does ruin them, what happens after that? And given the brokenness they witness in both the world and the church itself, what becomes of their faith? So I drove from my home in Nebraska to Kansas City, where I sat down with these women to learn about their experiences of service, community, and faith. My first question, what made you want to sign up in the first place?
3: I remember in my senior year of fall semester I was thinking about like what I would be doing after I graduated cuz I knew I was not ready to apply
4: to PA school. Veronica found out about JVC through a series of chance encounters. First during Eucharistic adoration and then on Facebook.
3: I don't know if I was burned out or I was just hitting senioritis <laughs> but middle of fall of my senior year, I didn't do well on one of my healthcare exams. And I remember feeling super discouraged because this was my major. And so I was having a crisis. I went into this chapel near my university. And I had gone there before for a weekly Eucharistic adoration, but it was like outside of my weekly hours. And then I was telling God, like, hey, God, like, these are my plans, my future plans. I really I really want to be a PA in the future. I really want to work in the medical field, but I don't think that I'm cut out for it at all. I feel like I have a lot to work on myself. I have discipline to develop. I just feel super incompetent. And I was like sobbing and tears, like super emotional about this and, and just confessing and like asking God like I just don't know what to do it was just me like alone in this chapel with the candles and the Eucharist and I hear a voice and it said told me to basically stand up from where I was sitting so I stood up and then it said go set the world on fire And hearing that voice, I don't know if it was from my own thoughts or if it was, like, a a true other voice. I just felt very encouraged by that. Um, And I left the chapel smiling.
4: Veronica had never heard the phrase, go forth and set the world on fire. But it's been around for a few centuries. The quote has long been attributed to St. Ignatius of Loyola. So often, in fact that a sock company made a pair with this quote and his image on it. Soon after her time in the chapel, an ad for the socks popped up on Veronica's Facebook page. Through it, she came to learn about St. Ignatius and the Jesuits. As we talked in her bedroom, the St. Ignatius socks laid a few feet away on the carpet. And Veronica says, The Eucharist and the saints have anchored her throughout this year. She even started an Instagram account called Church Tours, to document all the churches she visits.
3: You know, a church is very aged and old when you step in and it just smells, you can smell the wood and the artwork. Yeah, I think the sacred architecture art, it's a piece of heaven on earth. You know, just like when you look through your gallery of pictures of your loved ones, You see pictures of them it reminds you of these good times it makes you feel good Um, and i think the same logic can apply here when you see something beautiful in church you see artwork of jesus it just reminds you um, that these people these heavenly people are real they're living So we're
1: going to cross here. It's not as dangerous as it seems to cross here. Okay. Um, <laughs> great. Um, hop out and just come around. I'll- You'll be fine, right? Yeah, okay. My name is Emma Chaboya. I was born in Inglewood, California. Then I grew up mostly in Maryland. And this year, I am serving as a Jesuit volunteer at Journey to New Life as a case manager. So I help people coming out of prison find housing.
4: Emma Chiboya's path to JVC wasn't tied to the Catholic faith.
1: I was baptized. I was confirmed at First Communion, all that. Um, And I just, I kind of did it because that's what my parents told me to do. I went to Catholic school until eighth grade. Um, And then I went to public school and I kind of was like, Realized I wasn't super, like, actually into religion, and I didn't really know what I believed, and I just kind of stopped, like, thinking about religion, honestly. Like, I didn't really go to church much, Um, and that kind of continued into college, and I never really gave myself the space to kind of contemplate it and think about it.
4: This surprised me, because out of everyone... Emma has some pretty significant ties to JVC. My dad is the president of JVC. He's been the president for three
1: years now. Um, He didn't do JVC, but he was almost a priest. Um, He's almost a Jesuit. Um, And then he met my mom. And my godmother did JVC. She worked as a chaplain in a prison in California for a long time. And so she was really excited when I decided to do JVC.
4: So if it wasn't JVC's religious connections, why did Emma join?
1: Honestly, most of the time it's like anger. (laughs) Um, Anger at the system, the system being society. If you have the means to help people and you have a passion for something unjust, then it's your job to try and help fix it. This country is built on individualism. And that's really good for a lot of things. But I think especially in the pandemic, we've realized how important community and collectivism and being there for each other is.
4: Mm-hmm. And just kind of like watching people live as though like other people don't matter just kind of pisses you off.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's it's kind of just like, why don't you have a stronger moral compass? I just don't understand that. Like that for me, I mean, it might be slightly debilitating in me where I just like, I fixate on things and I'm not able to let things go. But I think everyone needs a little bit of that to get things done.
4: Yeah.
1: Clips and tables. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: My Family supports me, they let me be an English major, so they're like, Yeah, sure, you can volunteer for a year. <laughs> they, they know I'm probably gonna be a little more supportive, <laughs> um, but um, I think they're proud of what I've done. Also, um, my dad's side of the family is Jewish, so like it was my, way more controversial for me to do like a Catholic organization rather than like not get paid for a year. My name is Amy Lett. Um, I grew up outside of Seattle, Washington. I went to college at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This year, I'm serving at Donnelly College. I am an academic support specialist.
4: The beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic interrupted the end of Amy's senior year at Marquette. So she went home to Washington. From there, she followed news about George Floyd's murder,
2: Anger erupted following the arrest and death of George Floyd on Monday. He pleaded for his life.
4: and the subsequent protests. And the incident in Central Park. I'm
0: going to tell them there's an
4: African American
0: man threatening my life. This Memorial Day incident showing 41 year old Amy Cooper calling the police on a black man who asked her to leash her dog has now resulted in a misdemeanor charge.
3: Please send the cops immediately.
0: It was
2: sobering to witness these very big events um, from the comfort of home on my parents' very comfy porch and their very Comfy house. I am from a affluent suburb of Seattle, um, which it, it's literally an island. So, like, kind of, it's my ivory tower. Um, and to be witnessing mass protests all over the world, online in the pandemic, um, at home, that was yet another confirmation that I had to get out of there.
4: During college, Amy became interested in Ignatian spirituality. When she went on a retreat, six people sent her letters with the exact same poem included in each of them.
2: So there's this poem by, um, it's attributed to Pedro Arupe, but allegedly he never even said it. Should I go grab it? We have like laminated poems. The poem goes that like, Fall in love with something like so deeply that it will dictate like when you wake up what you think about what you fall asleep thinking about like what will capture your heart the end is um fall in love stay in love and that will decide everything i was like oh my gosh i know i've fallen in love with ignatian spirituality in college and i don't know what else i want to do but i know i want to stay in love and i know i want to let it define everything
4: Up next, the hardships that come with falling in love and letting it define everything. So, I'm sitting in the JV's living room, and I'm listening to them describe the quirks of their home. Here, Veronica is reading to me from their Kansas City bucket list.
3: Oh, power and light. You wanted to replace the light bulbs.
2: Oh no no no! There's, there's, <laughs> the power and light district is like where all the bars and clubs are. <laughs> <laughs> but that too, I did replace all of the light bulbs, and the light bulbs in there simply do not work. The light bulb in the kitchen simply does not work. No light in the fridge. It's our house is in darkness.
4: Along with the lighting fixtures, other furniture and appliances in the house are run down. In Emma and Veronica's bedroom, there are two dressers that Amy acquired from a science professor at Donnelly College, and two sets of metal bunk beds. Those, like most of the stuff in the house, are left from former JVs. With a $100 monthly stipend, the JVs can't just drive to Target and buy new furniture. And then I wondered, what challenges would I face with this budget? Well, I spent $30 on three tacos, one Corona Light, and the tip last night. And I have been known to throw down $100 on food and drinks in one weekend. In JVC, I could dine out about three times a month. But then I definitely have to forego weekly oat milk lattes. And that would leave no money for Ubers, thrift shopping, new candles, and fun snacks from Trader Joe's. Veronica's parents wondered about the budget, too.
3: And when I had brought it up to my family over dinner, they were just very confused. They didn't understand um, really what JVC was. I told them it was a volunteer organization. They were just like, volunteer? Like, oh, how much money are you going to make from that? You need a full-time job or you can earn a stable income. And they definitely brought up a good point where if I were to work a healthcare job after I graduated from college, I would be making about like around 15 dollars an hour, whereas I told them if I become a Jesuit volunteer, I get a $100 stipend. We can rest here.
4: Fast forward to JVC, and instead of $15 an hour, okay. Veronica is making $1.60. She's getting patients set up in their rooms, taking their vitals, and assisting physicians with EKG, rapid HIV, and STD testing. By the time winter comes, she's feeling a little burnt out, and it's affecting her spiritual life.
3: I remember going through a period of desolation myself, you know. When people meet me, and they think, oh, she's just a person full of faith. And I, I do think I am, but, you know, I do experience my own hardships and difficulties. I remember I experienced a period of desolation where I, like, didn't really bother, well, I didn't really have much time for prayer. I pretty much stopped prayer altogether. I remember Emma told me that she started praying for one of her clients. And I was
4: like, Emma is praying more than me. (laughs) When Veronica said that Emma was praying more than her, I chuckled, but I too was surprised. Not just because Veronica was struggling, but because Emma was praying. As you might remember, Emma described her relationship to the church as strained. And like so many of us, there are deeply personal and complicated reasons for that.
1: After my freshman year of college, my cousin died. Um, He killed himself. And um, at that point, like most of my family has some religious background. And so obviously like talking about God and heaven and like, is Zach in heaven, all these things. And I just got to be thinking about religion a lot more. And I was like, there's no way there's a God because why would a God do this? And so that's where I kind of feel like I like officially like severed ties with religion um, because I was angry and sad.
4: Not only was she sad and angry about her cousin, She was also trying to reconcile her faith with her identity as a bisexual person. Obviously, the Catholic Church
1: is like, heck no, um, to that. And so I just never obviously felt super welcomed. And obviously, I know so many great Catholics and especially Jesuit Catholics who are so loving and welcoming. And um, so where am I right now? I feel like I'm kind of like making up with an old friend almost. Like, that's kind of how I'm thinking about religion right now and what I've been doing this whole year.
4: Remember that monthly budget? In addition to their personal stipends, the JVs pool together $90 per person for groceries each month. And in Amy's case, the grocery budget became very personal.
2: Junior year of college, I developed um, gluten and lactose intolerance, or perhaps they just made themselves aware for the first time in my life, and it was so miserable. And so I had to stop eating both. And I developed um, some disordered eating habits because I was so angry at my body for not letting me eat the things that I wanted it to, that I was used to eating. And I, I felt so out, I, it felt so out of place not just in my own mind and my own heart but like also in my own body and that was really hard um and that first semester was just really difficult to like nourish myself in like healthy ways and i would like punish myself for eating things i wasn't supposed to and then i ended up just like eating less and less because it was easiest and then that was also really hard and like my hair started falling out it was also gross but by the time i joined JVC, i had been living a largely paleo diet for a year and a half.
4: A paleo diet typically consists of meat, fish, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, foods that used to be obtained by hunting and gathering instead of farming. Meats, fish, and produce are, of course, more expensive than grains, legumes, and dairy products. JVs typically eat less meat because of their budget, but gluten-free grains are more expensive too a box of gluten-free pasta that's a fourth smaller than regular pasta cost a dollar fifty more so in the name of simple living Amy began to eat gluten and dairy again
2: and so for the first month or two I was just in like enormous pain um, and eventually in one of our community meetings. I came clean and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. I have to adopt my diet. And I remember reaching out to JVC um, headquarters and saying, like, can we have more money? Gluten-free things are really expensive. And they said, no.
4: After the break, we'll hear how these women were able to work through their greatest challenges.
2: First, um, when people were cooking, they would make me like a gluten-free pasta on the side and everybody else would have like pasta with like cheese and stuff. And then I would try to make things that just didn't have any gluten or dairy.
4: Eventually, the community meals started to change altogether.
2: There's one day, one of my roommates said like, oh man, I miss pasta. And I was like, we
4: haven't been really eating pasta. No
2: way. And it, it, it it's, it's such like a jolly and lovely thing to have that pleasant surprise of being like, oh my gosh, we've been doing this and I didn't even notice that that was the radical inclusion, that there was no extra thing that was required for me.
4: The organization wouldn't budge on the budget or its commitment to living in solidarity with the poor. But these three women found a way to live in solidarity with one another.
2: My housemates did the coolest thing. And even with simple living and a very modest budget, they pretty much went paleo with me for a year. And they treated me and my body with more kindness and respect than I treat myself. And that's been a lesson of love and compassion that has literally been hard to swallow for like two years. And that's a whole nother reason like, yeah, I'm really happy I did JVC.
4: In my summer as an America intern, plenty of bad news about the Catholic Church passed across my desk, so to speak. Bishops quarreled over Eucharistic coherence, which sparked debate about who should and should not be allowed to receive communion. The remains of hundreds of Indigenous children were uncovered at the sites of Catholic residential schools in Canada. A cardinal was sent to trial for misuse of Vatican funds and the wounds of the sexual abuse crisis still sting. So, it's fair to say that I was feeling a bit jaded when I started reporting on this story, which is why I set my expectations low. I wasn't expecting the women of JVC to be paragons of faith and religious devotion, but what I did find surprised me. Veronica was enthusiastic and open about her faith. None of what she said felt forced, like she was trying to prove or convince me of anything. It didn't feel apologetic, either. She had no shame in calling herself a devout Catholic and loving, old, grandiose churches. But earlier, she talked about experiencing a period of desolation, where she stopped praying and going to churches at all. So, how did she get out of it? I
3: was... Rooming one of my patients, and we were going through her medical history, and she just had all these, you know, problems, all these conditions, um, disabilities, and I was starting to feel really discouraged myself. Um, And you know, it's it's important to be able to not let it all weigh you down, but I just felt so awful for this patient. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if she could tell I was starting to get discouraged or not, but all of a sudden, well, she just tells me, but what keeps me going is church. And I was like, whoa, I've never had a patient tell me that. And I just suddenly felt like God was trying to speak to me like, hey, like, don't let this weigh you down. Things are going to be okay because there's something that's keeping her going and it's church.
4: As we sat in the pews of Redemptorist Church, Veronica talked about her devotion.
3: You can step into a church and you just feel so connected to God, even if you know, there's not much hard work. But, you know, I think what really makes a church beautiful is when you find God in the space that you're in, because He invites us, you know, with, into our relationship with Him. So... When you meet him, I think that's the most beautiful part of being in a church.
4: Veronica told me that after Easter mass there, Amy turned to her and said, I think I'm ready to be confirmed. Her Jesuit education at Marquette created fertile soil for the Catholic faith to take root. But I was curious, what motivated Amy to take the final step and get confirmed?
2: I got to visit my older sisters in April of this year. It was other than going home for Christmas. It was the first travel I had done in a year. I really missed my sisters. I hadn't seen them in over a year. Seeing loved ones after a year as we had, it was like surviving the Titanic or something. It was so exciting. Um, And it was like the first time I really felt like an adult with my
4: siblings. Amy shared her desire to be confirmed with her older sister, Nina. In this conversation... Amy and Nina realized that they had independently chosen the same confirmation saint, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who was born Edith Stein and was Jewish and a convert just like them. Nina also helped Amy to reckon with the tough questions of faith.
2: My parents and family love to ask questions and love to challenge things. Um, I come from a family where we, it's loving, but it's very inquisitive and it's a lot of like okay you're right prove it and it's it's always like a test of who's the smartest and who's the cleverest and it's exhausting but i think haley was like asking about my faith and i like had i was at a loss for an answer and then um i was talking to nina afterwards and she said like you don't have to prove this to anyone and she was telling me how she came kind of to terms with her own faith life and how she's like finds peace in it and that she doesn't owe an explanation. And I was like, no, you're right. I don't owe anybody an explanation. Um, and kind of once I manifested that, once again, there was that consolation. It was like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Um, I'm happy to ask questions. And I mean, faith, is it faith unless you're questioning it? Like, it's for me to question, but it's not for anybody else. And that I was at that point that I was like, hmm. I am ready to be confirmed. I have this faith.
4: And like Amy, Veronica experiences tensions within her Catholic faith. The church
3: is so large, there's so many people under it. Sometimes it becomes just very difficult to regulate each person's behavior. You know, you look at the church's past history, there's been amazing moments and also like difficult moments. And that's, you know, like when there are people who do their best for the church to help, you know, clean up the church, they became saints. You know, when we have when we have people who stand up and, you know, they know the gospel, you can read the gospel, but to apply what you learn from the gospel into action, I think that's what makes people a saint. That's what helps pave the future for the church into You know, relieving the pain from the past.
4: I remembered that Veronica had written a quote from St. Teresa of Avila on her church tour's Instagram account. So I asked her to read it Christ
3: has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours.
4: Emma told me that her JV year was like making up with an old friend who was the Catholic church. She didn't have a come to Jesus moment, but she was drawn towards God through the community she felt at work and at home.
1: I feel like I see God most in people. Um, And I've noticed that especially this year in my clients, especially my clients, they, some of them are the most like, spiritually devout people i've ever met and they just put all of their faith in god and they just have no qualms about it and these people you know they could be sleeping in their car and they're like it's okay god has a plan for me and i'm just like what is the plan (laughs) um but i've yeah i've really seen i've seen in my clients just that that undying faith i'm just like whoa And just their, and their kindness and their, they have nothing and they still are like, oh, can I donate to Journey to New Life? Can I bring clothing that I don't want for other people?
4: The Jesuit volunteers set out to help better the world. But over the year, they learned that they can best give and receive help from the people directly around them. And then I kind of
1: had like, just like a kind of a hindsight breakthrough of like, You know, I was mad at God after my cousin died and I felt like the farthest from God I'd ever felt. But I realized this year that God wasn't like abandoning me. He pushed so many people into my life. I made so many connections with people that I wouldn't have otherwise. I've made friends for life. I have gotten so much closer with my extended family. That was God working to take care of me.
4: Veronica is starting a new job as a medical assistant at an allergy and immunology clinic in Dallas. Amy is currently applying and interviewing for jobs in the Seattle area. Emma will attend the University of Denver's Graduate School of Social Work with a concentration in mental health. As for me, I'm just trying to turn in all my homework on time.
0: That was Amelia Jarecki reporting for America Media on Church Meets World. We hoped you enjoyed listening to it. To hear future episodes, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Church Meets World is a production of America Media. This episode was written by Amelia Jarecki and produced by me, Maggie Van Dorn. It was engineered by Ashley Spillane. The story was based on an article by Amelia Jarecki for America Magazine, which you can find at americamagazine.org, and I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really love it if you'd share it with a friend. Word of mouth continues to be the best way to build our community. And that does it for this episode of Church Meets World. Thanks for listening.